Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Hey. Um, I have a uh, sunroof with a slab, concrete slab, and over the years, the... Uh, dirt under the slab has slowly washed out. So I've got about a two inch maybe space under part of the slab. And I'm, I can put more dirt down there on the outside, but I wonder if I need to put something up underneath the slab in order to give it support. It doesn't have any cracks or anything in it. It's It looks great on the inside, but uh, I'm a little concerned about this. Okay. So you say slab is it a patio or or is it a concrete foundation or what are what is it it's a it's a uh, concrete foundation okay i can it's t- about you know, six foot thick uh concrete it's a big old slab <laughs> okay uh I, I will tell you i'm in the foundation repair business that's one of the yes. companies i own and 95 percent of the time when we go under a foundation there's a void between the soil and the four-inch flat part. The beams oh. are what are down into the ground, and that's really what gives the support and everything. If the only place that you're seeing that there's a void is is uh, through the four-inch flat part, not where the grade beams go down, don't worry uh-huh. about it. That's normal. Oh, okay. Okay, well, uh, if, I, if I just fill that area in, uh-huh. uh, maybe and tamp it down or something on the outside of the slab... Uh, then uh, I guess it'll just wash away slowly again. It, it will, but, but uh, and the more vegetation you can have on around it, the less washout you'll have. Oh, absolutely. That's a, well, that's it. I sure appreciate that, and that gives some peace of mind. All right. Take care. Jim, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Well, thank you, Jim, for taking the call. Uh, I do have a another floor question. Okay. Uh, I've got... I have a porch, and uh, it has a pitch in it, and I, it is enclosed, so I want to make it into a room. So uh, the question is, in order to uh, level the floor, do do I uh, cement that, add cement, or, or do I uh, make a, a wood platform? Oh, no, you don't need to make a wood platform. How How much slope does it have? Well, it's similar to a, a garage that was Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you got some choices. If you're going to try to cap it with concrete, you would have to have at least 2 inches thick of concrete uh in order for it to not be fragile and, and able to be broken. So, uh, if you can cap it with 2 inches of concrete, that would be the way to do it. If it's yeah. if you don't have that kind of space, then you actually can use floor levelers. Um, and and level it out that way. All right. Well, it's it's cemented, so uh, yeah, I, I can do the uh, two inch uh, cement. Okay. However, how about the wall, uh, the board? Would that it wouldn't affect the the walls? Uh? Uh, in which way? 
the cement will, will will it affect the walls? No, it won't hurt the walls at all. Uh, it will uh-huh. put where your base plate is, uh, you know, oh. in the concrete a little bit, but that it doesn't hurt it at all. Yeah, very good. Well, that that answers uh, the question. All right. Well, thank you very much. You bet, Jim. You take care. Let's head to Belton, Texas. John, how can I help you? Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate your show. Thank you. Anyway, I have an air conditioning question. I have about a 10-year-old air conditioning, and uh, my wife is 55 years old, and she's going through, I think, a little bit of menopause, and plus she likes to cook. But during these hot days of summer, when it's about 100 degrees plus, Basically, from about uh, about eleven o'clock to probably about nine o'clock, my air conditioner is continuously run. Is, is that hard on the air conditioner? Is that uh, running air conditioner to run that long? Because uh, she does like it cool in the house. And, no, uh, it, it's really not. Uh, I'll tell you what's the hardest on the air conditioner is the startup. Uh, so every time it shuts off and then has to restart. That's the hardest part. That's the reason uh, you'll hear some people talk about getting a hard start kit because yep. that is the roughest part on on the system. When it's staying on like that, uh, that's not bad at all. Okay, okay. I was just wondering because uh, you know I, I thought maybe you know it doesn't need a break. You know, I mean because it's, it's continuously run. Because we got some hot days. We got about eight inches of a. Uh, uh, insulation in the house. The, ins- the house is insulated good. It's just that she likes it cool, and like I said, she's cooking. And I just like, man, you know, that air conditioner has been running since what, twelve o'clock on. And um, I was just wondering if that's hard on the on the air condition. John, anyway, have but... you not learned? You don't ask things like that. That's how you get in trouble. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, I'm learning. Oh, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate that. Thank you very much, you and Chris. You bet. Very much. Thank hey, John, you, you mentioned one thing. You got about eight inches of insulation. Yes. In our climate, the recommended amount is 15 to 16 inches. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. And so if you've only got eight, uh, you could help yourself probably by adding a little insulation in the attic. I'll do that. Matter of fact, when it gets uh, probably around November or December, when it gets a little cooler, I'll uh, I'll get some insulation added to it. it right. it's, it's, a, it's a it's a 1972 home, so it's an older home. So yep. back then they didn't put as much insulation. It's rock wool insulation, and, and they didn't put as much uh, insulation as they probably do in today's time. No, but, they uh, they didn't. And, and my my house is from '73, so I have the same issue. And uh, you can add just some blown in fiberglass, uh, and you'll be just yeah. fine. Okay, thank you, Jim. You bet. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. We are looking at ripping up our wood deck and replacing it with a flagstone or something like that. We were thinking a do-it-yourself type thing. Any recommendations for flagstone or a flagstone alternative? Probably looking at about two to 300 square feet. Well, I will tell you. If you want to put in the flagstone, that actually is not a bad do-it-yourself project. Uh, you know, you, you'll put a material underneath the flagstone so that when you set the flagstone, you can get the pieces nice and level with each other and looking good. But concrete, you could do that yourself as well, but uh, or another wooden deck. 
that's going to kind of limit you to what your choices are. Uh, because you could, well, you know what? Paver stones actually are a great do-it-yourself project uh, because they're they're easy to handle, easy to put in. And just like the flagstone, you're going to put a base in first. And usually if you use a crushed limestone and then a stabilized sand on top of that, uh, setting your paver stones is really simple. I think the flagstone would be a little cheaper than doing the paver stones, but definitely uh, an easy do-it-yourself project either way. Uh, and like I said, I think the paver stones, you know, the nice thing about using paver stones or flagstone, either one, over time, as soils move, if it moves the project, you can always take it apart and relay them later. Uh, and I'm, we're talking years later, though. Nothing nothing on the short term. Scott, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how are you today? I'm good. How about you? Doing wonderful. All right. I have a question about a foundation. I have a house that I've owned for about 30-something years, and it's always had a problem when it got a little bit dry. I can tell the slab would start drooping. Doors would get sticky, so I'd water it. But uh, now that I rent it, can't count on my renters to water my slab. You think there's anything that could be done foundation-wise to keep it from moving so much when it gets dry? Well, it can definitely be underpinned to stop that. But you know, uh, what about putting in a an automatic irrigation system so they don't really think about going out and messing with it? Yeah, I tried that. Of course, and they'll say they'll pay for the water. Yes, they are. Um, there's one thing there, you know. I just was thinking about, you know, maybe getting a little mud or something pumped underneath there, but then it might come up too much when it gets wet outside. Well, the, the opposite problem. you absolutely will have that problem. And, you know, the, because the same thing that's causing that door to stick now will still be happening after you pump the mud. The soil is still going to be going up and down, moving that foundation, mm -hmm. and, and it's just going to cause an opposite problem of what you got now. It's just on a, if you look at the house in the front, on the left front corner, that's what moves. Everything yep. else stays put. And yeah. I don't know why, but it's just, you know. Are there any trees, there trees up in that minutes. area? What now? Any trees up in that area? No. No. Okay. Might have used to be when they cleared the lot. Which is what I was kind of wondering before they put the house on there. And maybe yeah. some of those uh, rotted away and aren't holding up as good as they used to or something. Yeah, that's usually that's not the case. It, 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 but the tree roots can draw out a tremendous amount of moisture. Is the reason I was asking about that. So my guess is, uh, you know, e either, or my recommendation is either put it on a timer where, you know, you, you it's automatically being watered and quite frankly if they don't want to pay the water bill have a second meter put in then you're not paying sewage on it you're only paying irrigation so it's minimal for you yet it maintains that foundation because i can tell you if you end up having to put piers in it's mm -hmm. probably start at 2000 and goes up from right. there and that buys an awful I lot of water right I that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. I had a slab company come out and check it one time, but it wasn't dry, and they said my slab was perfectly fine. You know, yep. Checked the level all over the place, said it's great. I said, okay, but look at these cracks in the wall. Something's wrong. Yeah. Because uh, it moves quite a bit, which is uh, really what's 
deal is. I mean, it moves considerably. Yeah. Well, you know, Due West can always look at it again for you if you'd like, but um, well, yeah, I guys a call and have somebody come check it out. Okay. See if you think anything could be done to stabilize it a little bit, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd be we'd be more than happy to look at it for you. Paula, how are you today? Hi, I'm fine. Thanks, Dan. Um, my daughter and her husband have a an indoor pool. Um, it, it's large and it's not used, and the pump system has, has, is leaking somewhere. So they are thinking about doing away with it. But do you have any ideas what they could do with that? I know you don't know the how large it is or anything, and I don't either because it's not my house. But um, what could they do with that that enclosed area and a, a hole in the ground? <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a lot of times people start thinking, oh, I can get this hole taken care of for just a couple thousand versus redoing a pool. And quite frankly, it costs nowadays as much to backfill a swimming pool as it used to cost to build one. Uh, oh, my God. Because the, the regulations on filling them have changed. Most cities are now requiring that the pool be jackhammered out, and almost all the concrete has to be removed. Where it used to be you jackhammer the top off, fold it into the pool, backfill, and you were done. Most municipalities won't let you do that anymore. They want it jackhammered hmm. and completely removed. Well, at that, it's cheaper to fix the pool and keep it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really. So, huh. you know, that that would be the first thing I'd say is let's check what the municipality is going to require if they decide to do away with this pool because that may not be so simple to do. Yeah, uh, right, yeah. It, as far as what— what happens what, if you just drain it? Just, you can't just leave it empty, can you? No, because when groundwater, you know, when the soils get wet uh, in the groundwater, it'll literally float uh-huh. that pool up out of the ground. Yeah, okay. And that really that. creates a mess. I've, I, yeah. My parents had a pool one time, uh, a fairly decent-sized one, and when they sold the house, the people decided they didn't want to take care of it, and they pumped it out, and that pool floated three foot up out of the ground. It, it was just <laughs> oh horrible. yeah. So really the only thing you can do would be to concrete over the top after you've removed it and turn it into some other type of enclosed patio room or something. Right, yeah. And with that, I'm going to have to let you go because i got to take a quick break. And uh, next item is if you have teenagers or even uh, people in their 20s who are looking for a career, I really want to encourage people to look at other than college degree type careers there is such a shortage right now of skilled labor and this was even before the covid stuff started but you know one of the key things that we all should have learned from this look at how many jobs became obsolete the day covid hit when you con- when everything was shut down look at all the jobs that went away now look at Take a look at all the jobs that were considered essential. And contracting projects were considered essential. Plumbers, AC techs, uh, you know, electricians, all of this stuff is considered essential to keep 
working and keep things going. They pay tremendous, and you don't have huge college bills to go with it. In the lifetime, they will typically make more than the college graduate does because they're able to start work earlier. And if you get good at what you're doing and you move up, I'll use uh, plumbing as an example, uh, AC same way. You move up, and electrical as well. You move up, you become a master trademan, you know, whatever, a master set of what you do, and you decide to go into business for yourself, you're going to do well. You're, I'm telling you, you're going to do well. There's a huge shortage in these trades right now, and it's only getting bigger. And again, COVID should have taught us something. Let's take a look at what we're looking at doing for a living. Who would have ever thought bars and restaurants would be closed down? Hairstylists closed down. Barbershops closed down. And, and, and you know, the, these are all tr- people who thought, okay, I'm self-employed. I'm, I'm good. I can do what I want to do. And their businesses were pulled out from under them in a heartbeat. So take a look at what those essential businesses were and be considering that as your future trade. John and Seabrook, how can I help you? Yes, sir. I have a 20 by 14 covered patio, uh-huh. U-shape, and uh, has two ceiling fans. My question is, what would be the best way to make it cooler out there? Um, you know, swamp cooler or ductus AC, you know, any ideas? Well, you say it's U-shaped. It, it, it's up in the... The U-shape of the house is what you mean, right? Right, right, yes. It's so you're kind of in a, in a dead corner as far as getting breezes. Right, right. It faces out to the pool. Yeah, okay. You know, your best way, because it is outside that way, is going to be one of those big, like you said, swamp coolers. Those big coolers that run water through them. You see them uh-huh. in shops and stuff all the time. Uh, they're cost-effective. They do a great job. And since it's outside... Uh, I think that's going to be your best bet because if you use uh, any type of AC-type system, they're just not designed to put out enough air to combat outside temperatures. But one of those swamp coolers, they're designed for outside-type use like that. Okay, even with the high humidity, they're pretty effective? Oh, yeah. Okay, any particular size? Uh, big on that one. You're probably looking at one that's going to be about four foot by four foot on the uh, the fan area. Okay. Let's go to Lake Jackson. Walton sends in an email. Home interior attic stairs. My home is 45 years old, and the attic wood stairs need replacing. My contractor suggested using aluminum stairs in place of wood stairs. Do you agree? Thanks. Well. Why not? The aluminum stairs work great. You don't have to worry about it rotting now. Uh, it can have other issues down the road, just like any metal can. But quite frankly, those aluminum ones, they're lightweight. They work well. And there's no reason not to use them. Uh, it's a great alternative to using the old-style wood ones that, let's face it, we all cringe a little bit when we're going up and waiting for that thing to buckle. And sooner or later, it does, doesn't it? So, absolutely. You want to go with the aluminum one, and, and if they're gonna, if that's what they use and they're going to put it in, go for it. No, no problem at all with that. Joe from Katie sends in a question about a P-trap. He says, P-trap under the sink 
that the AC dehumidifier outs to. The P-trap line from the wall is sweating. Check the house from the wall to the P-trap and there's no leaks. Cleaned out the P-trap and it had a little like a material fuzz in it. However, it is still sweating. Sweats at most a quarter cup of water every two weeks. Any thoughts? Thank you. Well, it's because the water that's coming from the AC system is cold. And underneath the sink is probably a little bit warmer. And so it's, it's really condensation sweat that you're having there. The simplest fix, insulate the pipe. They make pipe wraps for P-traps that way. And you see them in restaurants all the time. If you'll put that on there, uh, that should take care of the temperature differential, which should take care of the sweating and clear up your problem. Because, yeah, you don't want it uh, dripping in there and, you know, ruining the, the cabinets over something like that. So, real simple, easy fix there. We're going to Sugarland. Hello, Manny. Hey, Jim. Long-time listener. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, doing great. Thank you. So, uh, we have a uh, deta I mean, attached garage, and uh, we parked two cars there, and... Uh, it gets pretty hot in there, and I'm guessing, you know, some of it even gets into the house. Uh, the way we can, you know, keep the garage cooler, uh, like exhaust fans or uh, some kind of uh, fans uh, that we can install to keep the uh, garage a little bit cooler you know, without putting air conditioning in. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah, air circulation definitely would help, but keep in mind it's going to bring whatever hot air is outside in so mm -hmm. you're not going right. to get any, any cooler than the air outside uh okay. do the garage doors get direct sunlight well if they're facing east so uh i mean in the morning that's about it not in the afternoon okay uh and the reason i'm asking is they are horrible about getting hot and really putting a lot of heat into uh a garage and on that you can use a bubble wrap type uh, radiant barrier to put on those doors mm -hmm. and that just tremendously reduces the amount of heat in a garage uh, okay. but it's going to depend on how much direct sunlight you get and and the way to attach it uh, just for everybody mm -hmm. listening you'll take uh, just small sheet metal screws and okay. when you look at the garage door you got the face that's outside and then it turns in and then it turns down there's a little lip that turns down about three quarters of an inch. Cut that bubble wrap to fit uh, over that section inside, and then you just use a sheet metal screws to screw it into that lip, and it holds it nice and tight and gives you a dead air space behind it so that on the inside of the garage door, it's, it's looking like you've got a solid bubble wrap type silver uh, you know, on the inside and the outside, you've got the sheet metal, and there's about that two-inch gap between the two of them, and that that will tremendously reduce the heat coming in from those overhead doors. So, so it, it, then it doesn't uh, interfere with uh, garage the door going up and not down. at all. Uh, nope, not at all. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, we have, uh, I think, like about three-foot uh, porch in front of the garage door as well, and it's facing east, so it, it doesn't get enough sight, you know, sunlight uh, yeah. all the time, but, I mean, it's, it, I guess it's because the weather is outside so hot, so it just gets really hot inside, 
So I wasn't sure if there is any uh, any nope. anything that we can install to. Yeah. Be, beyond that, now is there a second floor above the garage? Yeah. Okay, so you know you you've already got what's going to be considered a fairly cool garage then. Yeah, but the, 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 you know the way it is set up, I mean it's not all second floor. Part of it is kind of like a sliding down a roof, so which okay. doesn't have any actual floor on it. But I, you know, then like probably one third, uh, two third into it, and then you have a game room on the top. But the first, the uh, the front one third doesn't have any uh, actual uh, room in it. It's just the attic space, uh, okay. the crawling space. That we Where, can wherever that attic space is, you'll want to put a radiant barrier on the uh, okay. on the okay. floor of that okay. attic space okay. because that'll again keeps that heat from penetrating into that garage then okay so you just have to put it put tag it into the uh, roof itself no i i would i personally use a, a product called energy q radiant barrier okay. and it lays on the attic floor so even though the attic's still going to get warm it doesn't go through the radiant barrier into the garage space Okay. I'm not sure if we can call into that space or not. It doesn't look like. I mean, I, okay. as far as I know, I don't think we can have access to that because yeah. it's very, very narrow space. Well, that, that's uh, something you'll have okay. to, to check out. But, the, you know, the, okay. the radiant okay. barriers, any place where you're not going to heat and cool, a radiant barrier is what you want to use because that, that basically puts it like it's under a shade tree. Nick, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Sir, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, hey, man, the reason I'm calling is because I, I have two questions. Maybe you can help me uh, um, figure something out. But my first question is I'm I'm moving into a 3,000-square-foot uh, home, uh -huh. and it's the upstairs, it just gets really hot, you know, and downstairs stays really cool. I have one five-ton unit in the house and uh this is my dad's home so i'm familiar with how that ac kind of works but now it, it's it's going to be my home and so you know nobody was living upstairs but now there will be and i don't know if it makes more sense for me to just invest in a second unit or if i should be able to get away with a a five-ton unit and maybe mine just needs to be serviced you know well, there's several things. It could need just servicing. It could need balancing, and neither one of those are very expensive. Um, how old a system is it? Um, it's 11 years old. Okay. So it's been working for a long time. So, you know, you said it's five tons, right? It's a five-ton unit, yeah. And how many square foot is the, is the house? 3,000 square feet. Okay. Yeah, you're you're kind of pushing the limits of a five-ton on a 3,000-square-foot house. Uh, but with balancing and depending on how the insulation and everything is in the house, uh, that actually may work. So I think the first thing I'd do is have somebody come out and service the unit, balance it, you know, to see if, if we can change the airflow a little bit and try that out before you bother replacing or buying another one. Okay, when you say balance it, do you mean like um, as far as like the ductwork goes and everything? Maybe see how it's arranged and everything. Or yeah, is that well, what you mean? balancing is where they uh, change 
they don't change the duck work. They just choke down some of the ducks. Say, downstairs is cooler than upstairs, so you divert some of the air from downstairs to upstairs to balance the temperature in the house. I see. Okay. Well, yeah, then I think that's what I'll do. I'll have someone come out and service it before I am. Um before I invest in a, a new unit, you know. Yeah. Another thing is, if I were to buy a new unit, um, is it easier to install a brand new unit, you know, than it would be versus having to rip out the old unit and put in a new unit, you know, or is it just as much work considering you have to, you know, find a housing for it and everything like that? Well, so it's how- really just as much work because a lot of times if you're just putting in a, a new unit, you know, ripping out the old one and putting in a new one, you're able to use the same ductwork and everything. If you put in a brand new unit, you're looking at new mm-hmm. ductwork as well. Okay. Uh, so you won't be able to use and, the existing uh, ductwork on the new unit? Well, no, because it's going to have to be redirected to wherever you put that new unit. Okay. Because I was under the impression that maybe, you know, since we're using one unit to, and, and those ducks must be traveling a lot further to reach the rooms upstairs and everything like that. But I'm not, I'm not sure exactly where it's all coming from or, or sure. where that, you know. Well, okay. and the other, and, uh, the other thing you have to add if you if you uh, put in a second unit is mm-hmm. power power to it. Okay. Okay. Well, so, um, give Due West a call. We'd be happy to come out and take a look at it for you. I will. Um, also, I have one quick question. Also, sure. there's old paneling downstairs. Um, you know, wooden paneling. My house was built in the '70s, and I wanted to do something with that. And it's just really dated. And I don't know if, if it makes sense for me to just paint over that old wood paneling. You can. Uh, yeah. If you're gonna paint it, you got to make sure to put a deglosser on it first, like. Uh, pesos or something along those lines which takes the gloss off of it then you'll prime it and go ahead and paint it so there's i won't have to strip it or sand it down or no. anything like that just degloss it prime yep. it paint it yep now typically Alrighty. since that's wood use an oil-based paint uh you know Something that's made for trim rather than just a, a, a regular latex paint that's made for sheetrock. Okay. 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 All righty. Well, thank you for taking my call, sir. You bet. You take care. Let's see. Joe, how are you today? Hey, how you doing, Mr. Duncan? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing well. Great. Uh, I got a question. I've been upgrading my house. My house was built in 76. I've been upgrading my house ever since uh, Harvey. I got flooded, and I have brick that has uh, weeping mortars, what they call it. Yeah. And I was in, I was wondering if there's any way I can take it off, or I, if there's a contractor out there that that might can help me. Well, a brick mason can help you with it. Um... Here's what you're going to be facing, though. Depending on how much of the mortar is is weeping out, if it's coming down over the brick, you know, it can adhere to that brick. And when you start trying to chip it off, because that's literally what they have to do is chip it off, it right. can you can run the risk of chipping some of the brick. It's usually okay. not a big risk, but it, there is a little risk there. Okay. I didn't know if there was uh, I mean, one guy I talked to that did tile work. He said there was uh, uh, some ceramic discs 
that are flexible disc that but I don't know if he knew what he was talking about. Well, even so, with that though, that you know, if if you go after it with a grinder, you still run the risk of hitting right. a brick. Right. Right. And that's a okay. lot of area to be grinding. Yes, sir. It's uh, I got a like almost eighteen hundred square foot house, so it's it's all around uh, three quarters of it anyway. Yeah, and, and you know, truthfully, when you start tapping on it with with a a chipping hammer, you know that it's a hammer that's going to have just a little like point on the end of it, like a rock hammer. Right. Yeah. That stuff yes. is gonna, it's just mortar. It's going to chip off real quick and easy. Uh, so it goes okay. fast doing it that way versus huh. trying to grind it off. I'm going to try a um, port of it that's not. Yeah, just just visible. touch it up and, and see what it does. And hey, if you like it, then you can do the rest of it. All right. Well, All right. Thank you very much. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.